I have Mark Hopley on from the Fly Fishing 97 podcast to share his podcasting story and some tips on fishing the Kamloops area. You know I love it when I have another podcaster on the line. This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's episode, I talked to Mark Copley, who hosts a great fishing podcast out of uh, Canada. We hear about some of the great guests he's had on the show over the years. Some of the people you need to connect with up in the Kamloops area and his favorite patterns for steelwater. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. Since 1977, the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal has long been considered the Angler's Magazine, with original how-tos and technical articles written by the best trout and steelhead anglers in the West. They are committed to sharing exceptionally written essays, fiction, poetry, and in-depth guides to fly tying and fly fishing. FTJ is one of my go-to magazines, and if you haven't checked it out recently, you can get started today by calling 1-800-541-9498 or heading over to the web at ftjangler.com. GotFishing.com is your trusted source of information with access to the world's best fishing trips. You'll never pay a dime extra for the trip you book, and in many cases, less than advertised. Find out where GotFishing could take you by heading over to GotFishing.com today. That's G-O-T-Fishing.com, or reach them by phone at 208-630-3373. GotFishing.com, the easiest place to start your next fishing adventure. So without further ado... Here is Mark Hopley from flyfishing97podcast.com. How's it going, Mark? Good, Dave. <laughs> hey, man, thanks thanks for doing this. Really appreciate, uh, you know, getting a chance to chat with you. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is going to be awesome because uh, I always love getting the chance to interview other podcasters. And now, you know, obviously you've got the Fly Fishing Podcast going. So we've got, I think, enough that we're going to be able to fill an hour, no problem, um, but uh, yeah, b- before we jump into all the, you know, the fly fish, I think your show, we kind of do the same thing, starting off and hearing a little background, you know, the story. So can you just tell us how you first got into fly fishing and then how the, the podcast came to be? You know, it's funny. I ask everybody that question on the show and I got to think about it now. And I, <laughs> had, I had a feeling you might ask yeah. that. Um, I've been fly fishing probably since I was 11, 12 years old. So uh I'm in the uh, the Okanagan Valley in uh, kind of the interior of British Columbia, so we got lots of still waters here. And uh, I guess basically, my dad actually my my folks were not into fishing whatsoever, but um, there was a principal. My dad was a school teacher, and uh, his name was Bob Dunn, and I'll never forget it. He uh, he took us to a lake called Headwaters, which is just kind of behind uh, Kelowna area lake, and uh, we were. We're catching all kinds of brook trout and rainbow trout, and I thought, you know what? I got to figure out how to get into this sport because I'd never ever done it before, and um, I was fortunate enough to be on a lake that it was just like lights out. It's one of those lakes that hmm. the fish aren't big, but there's there's lots of them, and uh, I would say that that kind of got my that got my passion, it got my attention, and uh, ever since that, it's been everything fly fishing. Yep. So you've been going, and was that? And you were uh, how old were you when you first? Uh, when I want to say 12. Oh, yeah. I'm like 51 now, Dave. I'm gotcha. really bad with time, but it was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it was, uh, Long time it was the old Ted Peck fly rod. I remember that. Bought yeah. it at a local store called Woodward's for back then. They were probably like 18, 20 bucks. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. 
I, you know, you're in an area that is um, obviously one of the probably the greatest still water areas, you know, maybe in the world. And I've, you know, my dad fished it a ton. I remember hearing all the stories and I, the only time I went through there was on my way to the Skeena for steelhead. So I haven't really hit the Kamloops and all that stuff, but I mean, can you describe that whole area in the still water to somebody who hasn't been up there? Well, the thing that people don't get is we're in a desert. Oh, okay? no, and yeah. Yeah. So being in Canada, not a lot of people think of deserts. No. So we're at the Northern tip of the Sonora Desert, and it's sagebrush where I'm at. It's sagebrush sand, it's um, ponderosa pines, very similar to parts of California. So what we've got here, Dave, is we've got a lot of still waters that are, basically these lakes have to be stocked or otherwise they wouldn't hold fish because they do tend to winter kill a lot of them or some of them may or may not have an aerator. Um, but they've got an amazing stocking program in, in British Columbia. So we're, we're fortunate enough to have um, true wild fish um, as, as brood stock. From, there's a lake called Penasque Lake, which has never been stocked, ever. And, and they pull a lot of eggs from there. So uh, basically, you know, whether they're triploids or, mm-hmm. or diploids, these fish grow. And uh, the Penasque are just known to be... Uh, voracious insect feeders so it re- they really match fly fishing well they're aerial it's like i mean it, it's everything a steelhead is on a smaller scale that's cool how do you spell that penas p-e-n-n oh p-e-n-n-a-s-k look them up okay they're uh beautiful fish they don't have a lot of spots but uh beautiful sheen beautiful color they get real clean silver it depends on the water they're in too they can um, there's some real clean kind of aqua blue lakes we fish where they just look like, they look like chrome coho. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So that, so that's what it is. I didn't even realize that either that you, I mean, you, yeah, you mix the desert with still water and you get a lot of food activity and then you guys with the great stocking program, it's just the perfect mix where you grow these giant fish, right? Well, you, you know what I find Dave is wherever the ponderosa, wherever the timber meets the desert. So you got the grasslands kind of meeting. Oh, yeah. eating the, the the pines that's where those fish grow and it seems to be the common denominator it's all about the ph right so those yep. slightly higher ph waters as you know uh your neck of the woods too and, and yeah. right northern california you get into those um you know where the ph is just kind of getting borderline for the fish to survive but guess what they're full of nitrogen they're full of feed and uh, you got to be careful with the water temps for sure in the summer but those fish grow big that's awesome. So, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, Phil Rowley, I've had a few, uh, Denny Rickard, some big Stillwater guys on, and it seems like, you know, it, it's a, there's not as many, obviously, of, of those gurus. Are there other, who are the people in your neck of the woods? You got also Brian Chan. Other than those guys, are there any other big uh, Stillwater guys that influence you or you know of out there? Oh, 100%. Uh, it's a long, long list. Oh, you just named two, you named two of them. I mean, Brian Chan is a walking encyclopedia uh without a doubt phil roley i've had on the show and same thing and and they're they're good buddies i think are in business together as well oh yeah um just totally dialed in i mean as far as jordan ulrich great guy to chat with uh he's a a guide in the kamloops area Uh and what you'll find dave is a lot of the guys i mean i go back to jack shaw um you know, his original books kind of got me into it. And then, and then of course, Brian Chan kind of expanded so much on that. But um, Brent Gill at the Douglas Lake Ranch, he, he, uh, he drives a lot of content. He, uh, oh, cool. 
he, he's just a source of information. Runs the uh, the private fishing ranch. I don't know if you know Douglas Lake Ranch, but if you um, no. want to get into some seriously big rainbows, and uh, you know, it's some some people love private fishing, some don't. I know, I know myself, it's got a place because, especially I've, I've noticed that with COVID, yeah. uh, a lot of the lakes are getting heavily pressured because for a while there's only so many places we could go, and I think just having that option to spend a hundred bucks, you know, to go and fish a lake. Um, it's a nice option to have sometime. I can't afford to do it every day, yep. but um, I think, you know, it's it's good to have kind of, let's just say, mix it up a little bit. This is something I wanted to to talk to you about just because it's, you know, it's interesting for me as far as the, uh, the podcast guests and more on the podcasting, right? So on your guests, I was kind of, uh, you know, I've, I've listened to some of your episodes and looking through your, your back catalog. How do you, how do you choose your guests? I mean, in topics and, and where you're going. <laughs> well, you and I talked about this just before we started chatting. Like for me, I try not to be influenced by other fly fishing podcasts too much. I, I want to be influenced by the podcast that I want to listen to. I want to drive the content. Like for me, just so you know, it's not, this is not a how to like fly fishing 97 podcast is not a how to, and we may dig into that a little bit here and there, but it's, it's people's stories. And, and for me, like everyone's got an amazing story. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be a famous fly fisher to have an amazing story. But if I run into somebody at a random place, having a beer, talking fishing, Chances are I might ask them to come on the show because especially if they have an amazing backstory. So whether it's a military background or somebody's got a musical background or, you know, just people's struggles in life. Like for me that, and I try to always tie it back to fly fishing. So I definitely have a framework for the show, you know, kind of the basics, how'd you get into it? But then I want to dig it. I want to know what you listen to on the way to the water. I want to know where your passion comes from. I want to know the sports team you're cheering for. I want to know the lessons you take out of fly fishing. So for me, it's, I just try to expand it a little bit, get people comfortable. And then, man, the stories start coming after that. Yeah, that's cool. And on your, you know, the people that listen to your show, do you get, um, I mean, how do you get feedback from them or, you know, how do you know you're on the right track? Well, at the end of the show, I always have a tag. My wife has a radio background, so she does the intro and the extra of the show. But um, basically, if you want to hear from somebody specifically, email me. And the email's right at the end of the show, just mark at flyfishing97.com. Oh, and cool. and I've actually got a lot of guests that way. Uh-huh. Um, but I suspect you and I are similar in the fact that, we, I mean, they come from all over the place. Sometimes I'll shoot somebody an email at their uh, at their .com. Sometimes I'll you know, message them on Instagram or Facebook. Or sometimes I'll run into them at a fly shop or a fly show. There's... I try to be diverse with that and not have any one specific way. Cause I, I I'll be honest with you. I think I, I felt like I was tapping out Instagram for a while. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think like I noticed last week. Okay. So I dropped the show and you had the same guy. On I know. The same Pete, week. And I'm like, crap. Pete Ty just right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He was, uh, that was a great guy to chat with. Yeah. But th- that you. was not, that was a total accident, total fluke. I mean, I, I didn't know you. You and I hadn't no. had a conversation, but I know. And let let's face it: a lot of these uh, fly fishing industries too. They're 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 putting media out at the same time. Whether it's, it's an author trying to sell a book, so they're doing the circuit, right? They're saying, "Hey, I have had a lot of people reach out, say I got a book coming out. How'd you like to do a show on oh, it?" Oh yeah, and I'm all over that. Yeah. What about you? Where do you get most of your 
um, uh, pretty much interviews. the same. Yeah, pretty much the same. I uh, I do a little bit of here and there. Uh, I try to as much as I can get feedback. You know, I, I have a, a Facebook group that um, you know I try to reach out to people in there as much as I can and. And yeah, I find that uh, yeah, people let me know. I I try to keep it in seasons as well, so that's the focus thing. Where I know if okay, right now I'm on a fly tying season, and although you know we're not talking about fly tying specifically, overall I can kind of have a, a number of episodes in fly tying. Then I can direct people that way, and that helps me focus too. Like I have this week, I have uh, Morton um, from uh, Arex Hooks coming on, right? And typically cool. I wouldn't have had him on, but I ran into him at the um, the Denver show and uh, it was just, you know I mean? The shows, that's another good place, right? Networking. So mm. I, just like you, man, everywhere I get people from all over the place. Yeah. And I found since uh, COVID-19 and to be honest with you, I mean, I think you and I are in the same boat. We're not doing a lot of face to face and I no. found it very easy to get people to talk right now. Well, there was a lot of guides that weren't doing anything. They were kind of tying flies and chomping at the bit to get out there and they wanted to talk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's good. Um, well, I had, uh, you know, I guess let's keep it on this, the episodes won't, uh, a little bit further before we dig back into the, the Stillwater stuff. So, um, I mean, what is your, do you know what episode was your, your biggest or most popular, or do you have a favorite or anything like that? Yeah, that's funny. Yes. Yeah, I, I always say the last show is the favorite cause I kind of feel that way, you know, but yeah. the truth, I mean, I, Phil Rowley was amazing. I had Brian Wise on from Fly Fish in the Ozarks. Oh yeah. I he's heard a that character. One. Yeah. I had Jimmy Watts. That's, uh, he's a bamboo rod builder out of uh, the Seattle area who basically hangs off the back of a fire truck during the day. And I'll tell you, that guy, huh. man, he's, he, I could have listened to him talk all day. I got Lonnie Waller coming up. Oh, uh, you got Lonnie Waller. That's awesome. Oh, how man. did you, how did you track down Lonnie Waller? Cause he seems like a guy that's disappeared off the map. Well, you know what I did is I had a guide by the name of Dave Lisi out of uh, Cooper Landing, Alaska. And we were talking steelhead, and this guy has a huge passion for steelhead. And um, a lot of times my guests come from my guests who they want to talk to. So Dave was saying, you know, I, I have so much respect for, for Lonnie's books and his, his steelhead DVDs, and, and he's a steelhead guru, right? So yep. uh, he said, man, you want to read some good writing, read, read Lonnie Waller's writing. So I, I just randomly emailed him on his web if you can yep. any of these people you can find online and i said hey lonnie dave uh lisi uh, from alaska said uh you're the guy uh, how would you feel about coming on the show and and you know what he said no man i'm i'm he didn't say no man but he yep. said no i'm not that's not my scene i'm not a computer guy blah 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 i said look me neither I hate computers but i like talking fishing and it's just a conversation how'd you like to come on and have a chat and he's like absolutely huh. <laughs> so usually i just kind of let that go you know what i mean it's like That's oh, cool. okay, he didn't want to do it but i don't chase people i'll ask them a few times and and you know if they want to come on great if they don't i'll, I'll chat with somebody else because there's a lot of people that want to talk fishing and you know it's the hardest part for me and i don't know about you dave but just is lining up the schedules mm-hmm. you know like i got a day job and it's like um it's it it's all encompassing. So basically, I'm working 24 seven these days, just trying to get podcasts edited now. Yeah. But I I love it, and and I think I said I mentioned to you earlier, I I would not stop doing this, even if if podcasts went the way of the dodo bird, I would still do it for content. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, I think that's one of the things I always say is that you. 
Uh, and who was I talking about? I'm trying to think now. But yeah, you got to have that passion because you know you're not going to uh, <laughs> make a million dollars typically doing this thing. You know what I mean? You got to have that passion. So and Lonnie Waller, man, that's amazing because I he told his, some stories. Did he? Dave. Is it out? Oh, Is it out yet? No, man. I, I I'm editing it right now. It's going to be released on Wednesday. What's the date today? First, uh, July first. I'm gonna. Oh, uh, nice. That. See, that's what's great about it because I've got my little cue of, you know what I mean. So when that pops out, it's going to be killer. And Lonnie was, we we kind of joke about it a little bit because yeah, he's a steelhead guru and, um, you know, my home river down here is the Deschutes and he made some videos on the Deschutes and um, he's mm-hmm. got he's got this one where we joke about it. We say, uh, what's he say? He says something jumper in the tail outer he said this fame this funny quote and uh, he just had this huge steelhead on and, and caught it and i fished that same water you know i mean i just know the same and i and i've hooked some amazing fish there so i i think i'm That's gonna cool. fo- i'm gonna follow up with lonnie and see if i get him on as well but um no this is I, good. you know what yeah Shoot him an email and tell him you and i were chatting he's just um an amazing individual and i found him really really um sharing of information I, I think he's in mexico right now oh yeah did he give so is he totally done with steelhead fishing hell no oh, okay he's still doing no it. He, he's 80 years old and and still going strong oh, good. He's, uh, he's chasing permit bonefish steelhead um he still gets to california and alaska oh, nice. and and uh his his i think his real heart is kind of in actually in my province here in british columbia he he spent yeah. a lot of time on the babine yep and uh that's right uh, i believe it's called the silver hilton lodge oh yeah where he on the babine i've been yeah. we floated we floated by it we've uh yeah that's a, that's an amazing area yeah amazing amazing guy to chat with and he's really um you asked my favorite show that's that's probably the one so far but it's it's always changing i had a guy by the name of maitland mike on and he does a lot of steelheading on lake huron and his trips and you want to talk? I know you're you're big into the wet fly swing. This mm-hmm. guy, you should chat with Mike. He uh, oh cool. He's di- he's dialed in. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a. It seems like you know there's a, a bunch of guests. We're never gonna have a problem running out of people, right? That's that's no problem. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, that's at first. I'll be honest with you, Dave. At first, I was worried about that. I thought, well, who's gonna want? I mean, how how much ground can you cover? But yeah, I think when you bring it back to life lessons and you bring it back to people's stories. People don't run out of stories, and everyone's got one. Exactly. And it's just kind of tying it back for that content so you have that common thread. Yep. It's cool. Well, and I mean, obviously, this, like you said at the start, this is the, the you know, networking, whatever you want to call it, the fact that we're kind of connecting here. Yeah, you never know where this goes, right? I mean, just right away by me um, interviewing you, right, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that, maybe hadn't heard of you, and hopefully, you know, you'll get, you'll get in their queue as one of their top seven podcasts, right? Well, and that's what I, you know what, that's what I love about, about this industry, not just the fly fishing, but the podcasting is it really is one big giant network and there's a lot of crossover. It comes up all the time on the show. I mean, the crossover and the outdoor activities, whether you're into mountain biking or climbing or hiking or camping or canoeing or kayaking, I mean, it's all the same language really. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been interesting. We'll probably talk about this when we chat you know, again, on our next, uh, you know, we're kind of doing a double ender here, but, um, you know, the new podcast, I have the outdoors online marketing podcast where I'm interviewing expert, right. These huge internet marketers, they, um, it's actually hasn't been as easy, right. As the fly fishing, because these people have all been on a gazillion podcasts and I, I can't necessarily, I haven't been, I've got some, a huge guest, but a lot of them, right. I haven't been able to get the gigantic guests on. 
And well, I know you, I heard you mention some pretty darn big names on another podcast that you had on the outdoor yep. online marketing podcast. And I think you're really smart doing that because you're, you're networking on a larger scale and you're expanding your horizons and yep. it's probably going to get you more content for your other podcast, the wet fly swing as well. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's hopefully it kind of builds on each other. So, well, let's take it to, um, let's take it back to the water. And again, can you remind, uh, remind us where your, what is your home water? And then maybe talk about how you, how you catch uh, the fish there and what, and what species are you focused on? I mean, it's, it's largely rainbow trout centric. I mean, that's, that's what I'm chasing. Um, there's, there's three or four strains specifically. We mentioned the Penasque at the beginning of the show and that's, that's kind of the number one in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a new strain, which is called the horsefly that, um, gets real aerial too. in the blackwater strain, more of a predatory nature, kind of mm-hmm. like your pyramid lake fish that sure. are, you know, they're after those shiners. Um, anything blackwater related, which kind of originates in, in British Columbia in the blackwater river uh area uh-huh. they they are looking for big meals they're looking for bait fish they're looking for large dragons um they'll take chronomids they'll take midges but they're definitely um looking for meat so streamer patterns things like that will work but in answer to your question we're, i'm fishing still water i'm fishing out of like a dave scadden um uh, yep pontoon boat or i've got uh 14 and a half foot uh, arctic cat that we we use um on bigger water um but it's mostly float to pontoon pontoon uh, fly fishing where i'm at we also have you know i fish the smoke mean river a fair bit mm-hmm. um it's limited windows i mean you've got a couple of good months you know it's like any any river system we get some some pretty high runoffs here and things don't really settle down for another couple of weeks, usually oh. once once July hits, I get July to basically September, and gotcha. then you got to watch because that water temp gets so warm yeah. in August, you know. So you got to pick your spots. But um, mm-hmm. I would say this, Dave: eighty percent of my fishing is with a small strike indicator and a chronomid, mm-hmm. um, just because that's such a large part of the fish's diet. It works. It yeah. works, and it, all you have to do is tap into that resource once, and I guarantee you it'll never leave your blood. It's like, no, um, chronomid fishing for me is I, I try to fish with an indicator whenever I can. I know that's not a purest thing, but yeah. I don't really care. I, I don't care. It's like, there's lots of different ways to fly fish. Don't get me wrong. I love to get them on a elk hair caddis on top. And yep. when the caddis are popping, that's going to happen. But that's more of a late July kind of thing around here. That's cool. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. The indicator and the and the uh, the steel water, the chronomids is is huge. I've I've I remember my first time using those was on a, a same thing, a similar stream. It was uh, the Oahi, and it was the same thing. I had a under indicator, a little um, chronomid about a foot and a half under it, and it it was lights out. You know what I mean? And it's that's cool. It was it was a good time. So so okay. So we got you know it's rainbow trout. It's you've got these lakes, and is it still? And it's eighty percent of the time you're fishing still water versus streams. Yeah, I'd say even closer than 90, if I'm being perfectly honest. Okay. I mean, we, we'll we'll pick a section of the river, uh, but it's usually in July and August, and we'll take off, like, say, I don't know, a 10-mile section, and we'll just uh, take a couple trucks, drop in at one point, and uh, pull out at another and, and, and spend the day. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, I love it. That's That, for me, honestly, is probably my favorite way to fish. It's just the reality is it takes a lot of time. And it's, uh, you know, we've all got day jobs or most of us do. And, yeah. and I got 15 days a year plus weekends to, you know, 
make that happen, which is sometimes limiting, but yeah. 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 Uh, so you guys, so you are putting in, so these are big lakes and you're putting in and doing a shuttle on the lake. No, sorry. Sorry. That's on the river. System. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dave. So, so on the, say the Similkameen river, we'll put in and, and knock off, um, eight to 10 miles gotcha. or more. But uh, as far as the, the lakes, um, I'm fishing mostly smaller lakes, to be honest with you. That's where, uh, I mean, there are some very hmm. big lakes in, in my area. We've got a hundred mile lake, the Okanagan mm-hmm. Lake, which is, which is big. Skaha Lake, uh, which is another lake, which, which is a large lake. And we've got, you know, bass, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, perch. Yep. But I, I mean, I'm definitely focused on trout. So that means a lot of times getting out of the, the valley bottom, getting up more into the alpine and chasing um rainbow trout you know two to two to ten pounds uh, a lot it. of them two would be two would be quite average at a lot of the lakes we fish uh-huh. um but if you really want to hunt some big fish they're out there it's just um some of those waters get get a fair bit of pressure oh sure sure okay and so on these smaller lakes do you fish them differently than you do some of the larger lakes um Yes, because I mean, the, the, I look for shoals. Like, so if a lake has nice shoals, I mean, if you get an aerial pick of it, or if you've got a, uh, I don't even know the correct term for this. I always say topographical, but I'm yeah. sure there's another oh, water related term. Uh, I think uh, bathymetric, I think maybe. Bathymetric. There you go. Yeah. I have never used that word. Yeah. I love it. Um, so yeah, like that'll show you the drops and whatnot. But the, I mean, the fish that we're usually targeting are patrolling those shoals so we'll anchor deep and cast in shallow sometimes i'll go in super shallow if there's if there's a steep drop and, and you know the fish won't see you at all and you're on you're also oh, right. fishing the deep side we do that that works well sometimes too kind of a little reverse psychology i think so um, you're on the sometimes so, so you're saying you're on the deep side or the shallow side fishing it well we do both normally normally the deep side casting in towards shallow oh cool yeah right but sometimes, you know, like say when there's a damsel migration or hatch, those guys are, they're coming from the deeper water and they're swimming towards the reeds. So oh, yeah. sometimes when you're in shallow, I think that's kind of an underutilized uh, way to fish, to be honest with you, because it makes sense that you're bringing them towards the shallows because that's the way those dragons and damsels are swimming. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're bringing them towards the shallow. So you're... Exactly. So exactly. now, now remind me again, tell me, tell me again how you're fishing that. So you're in the deep water, you're casting into the shoal so they can't see you as well. Yeah, in that case, we're usually fishing strike indicators. So you might be 15 feet down under an indicator okay, oh, right. trying to fish an emerger. But if if what I'm saying is if there's damsel hatches or dragonfly hatches, those fit, those insects are not swimming out to the middle of the lake to hatch. They're, they're usually looking for reeds to climb up on gotcha. and emerge, right? So it makes more sense that you're swimming towards the shore. And I think I think sometimes a lot of people miss that. They fish, you know, shallow to deep, which is great if you're fishing chironomids they're just coming straight up in the water column but those um some of those larger insects when, when we're fishing damsels and and dragons even caddis they're usually heading towards the shore right they're looking for something to climb up on hmm. interesting yeah i had a uh, i mentioned denny rickards was on he's a kind of a big guru down in our neck of the woods and he broke down in the podcast like a step-by-step how he catches fish and it was pretty sweet how he broke it down. But he said, you know, he always fishes perpendicular, you know, so, to the shore. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So yeah. he's kind of uh, dragging that fly in front of these fish as they're going in to feed in the shallows. And then, sure. you know, then I had another guest on that actually contradicted that a little bit. It's interesting. I mean, what, what's your take? Do, do you have a, well, yeah, it's, fun, it's funny. That's, that's a great question. I do fish perpendicular quite a bit, but in the back of my mind, and I don't know this to be true, but I have a feeling that if you are fishing perpendicular, you're probably spooking fish coming the other way behind you mm-hmm. if that makes sense so mm-hmm. think of it this way if fish are cruising the shoreline uh, they don't want to see you over top of them in 15 feet of water so nope. if you're out in the deep or out in the shallow i think you're probably going to spook less fish exactly. but you're also fishing perpendicular you're going to be in the zone more let's face it because yep. that's where those fish are is that kind of that transition they'll pop out of the deep water where they're protected from you know mm-hmm. ospreys and loons and, and and jet up grab a meal and, and jet back down that's it that's it. Cool. Well, I have a little, uh, quick little segment I usually do. It's the 222 top two tips, uh, top flies, top resources. And if, if we're looking at, you know, on still waters and thinking of your home water here in some of these lakes, um, we, we mentioned Kronomiz. Do you have a couple of, uh, still water flies if you had to pick two for, uh, fishing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that question. Uh, tomorrow, uh, if, well, let's put it this way. I got to say, it's going to be a chronomid, the first fly I'm going to pick, and it's going to have to have a gray body with a black rib. I don't even have a name for this fly, to okay. be honest with you. I, I do a lot of tying myself, but I see, a, I see a, a black bead, black tungsten bead, white gill, unithread gill, unistretch, excuse me. Uh-huh. And then I just go for a thin gray body with a black rib, like an extra small black wire rib, and that it works so well around here i think because it they take it as a mayfly they take it as a as a chronomid um other than that i'd probably have to say a big a big gonfus i mean like a big deer hair uh dragonfly pattern all right uh, darners are, are great too i mean it, those hits are are addictive right because they hit them like a freight train going yeah. in the opposite direction totally different style of fishing but they both have their place and if it's fall uh, late summer, I'm probably fishing something a little meatier, like a, like a dragon. There you go. And and so and on those flies, you said there wasn't really a name. If we went to search them on Google and find uh, something, yeah, yeah. Um, well, on the on the deer hair gonfus, uh-huh. uh in gray and green, that would probably be a go to for me. Uh-huh. Um, and then as far as the chronomid, I mean, the other one is a is a is a just a black and black body chronomid with a red rib and a white bead we used to call them an ice cream cone mm-hmm. i don't even know the name for it um but you'll find them in every fly shop around here it's it's kind of a standard go-to but i'll be honest with you what i've found with chronomids over the last few years is you need to get a little bit more creative because sometimes whatever's working now may not work three years from now and sometimes you have to tweak it a little bit i know it sounds funny but i it's almost like the fish get used to it on highly pressured systems. And then you got to show them something a little different, whether it means having a red tag, like just a little bit of hemoglobin showing mm-hmm. through because red's so important in, in any chronomid pattern, as you know, because that's yeah. usually, uh, there's usually a little bit of red somewhere in there. If not, it's black or gray. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, and then what about tips? So you're out there fishing, uh, tomorrow or this week and you're, you're, let's say you're on one of the lakes, maybe one of those smaller lakes fishing with, uh, chronomids or, you know, any tips for helping somebody maybe find a couple of fish travel around because even on these small lakes, there can be huge hatches going on a hundred yards behind you and you don't even know. Mm. So watch, watch the birds, watch the swallows, Mm -hmm. where the swallows feeding. 
um, look for uh, casings coming off. Like um, if there's nothing in your area and you're trying to fish chronomids, then cruise around a little bit um, because the water temperature isn't is usually different all over the lake. If you if you're in shallow water, it's usually a little warmer depending on the time of season. But find the hatches because that can make or break. And then the other thing I would say is we use fish finders um, mm-hmm. all the time. So if those fish are in 15 feet and you're coming up on a whole big school of them, well, put that chronomid at 15 feet under an indicator and just wait because that's when things get good. Oh, wow. If you find the fish, you can usually get into them. It's it, Where I get nervous is when you don't see the fish because a lot of times they just seem to be cruising kind of haphazardly and the fish finder's not going off. Then those usually tend to be harder days for, uh-huh. for me personally. But if you find the fish, you can usually put something in front of them you're usually in for a good day. That's a, and, and are these fish finders, you're using these on, on a little, like a scadden boat. Yeah. So we're using like, uh, they don't even make them anymore, but, uh, fish and buddy too. Oh yeah. I believe that's a hummingbird product. Uh-huh. Um, and there's all kinds of new ones now out there. I mean, fish finders, as you know, the technology just gets wilder and wilder. Uh-huh. I find for me personally, I like the simple ones that, that sometimes the more options and the more colors and the fancier they get, the more there is to go wrong. But uh, Fish and Buddy 2 has uh, been a, a great finder for a lot of years. I wish they still made it. Yeah, no, that's a great. And I've never been a real big fish finder just because I just never went into it. But, yeah, for those boats, so you can get them small enough where, you're, you know, the battery and everything isn't weighing you down. You can get all your gear on there, no problem. Yeah, 100%. Just that's takes cool. batteries in the handle, and, and they last a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about uh, what about resource? What about if somebody was going to be heading up there to fish, you know, that net, your, that you know, your area? What would they, um, you know, anything online, books, magazine, websites, any resources to help them maybe get prepared for a trip up there? Yeah, you know, I'd probably you could look at uh, well, for one thing, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to help you and set you up in the right direction. I would say give Jordan Ulrich a call in, in oh, yeah. Kamloops if you want to fish that area. Cause there's a guy that's doing it professionally, um, as a guide, um, real knowledgeable guy knows, knows the waters. I would call, um, Brent Gill at the Douglas Lake ranch and say, Hey, what yep. do you recommend? They'll, they'll set you up on some, some beautiful, um, you know, once in a lifetime kind of trips, um, out of their lodge there. And they've got beautiful accommodations. But, um, if, if you're coming up this way, shoot me an email to spark at flyfishing97.com and, um, I'll point you in Sweet. the right direction. Sweet. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, it sounds like, and as we were talking earlier, you, you know, you're, you listen to a lot of podcasts, but not necessarily a ton of fly fishing podcasts. If you had uh, any any other ones that, you know, if you had to think of a fly fishing or a podcast that talks about still, I can't think of one. Is is there one out there? That... Uh, I don't know if there's any that specifically, I know Jordan Ulrich actually had one on, actually he has a podcast on fly fishing still water specifically in oh, our cool. region. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I try to keep it a little more general because what I'm finding is um, I don't just want to talk about the areas that I'm in. Yeah, I want to talk about Colorado. I want to talk about Maine. I want to talk about Ontario. I want to, you know, we've had yep. guys from guys and gals from from the UK and um, all over South Africa. I mean, it's such a universal sport mm-hmm. uh, pastime that I think I think it's cool when we kind of get at least a slight understanding of what other you know fishers are doing because it's not the same all over the place i mean we're we're chasing similar fish and, and probably similar hatches but um the the techniques and the methods vary drastically yeah, yeah exactly so you, you kind of spread around but would you say you have 
more episodes focused on uh, kind of Canadian areas and all that, or is it a good mix? No, 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 no. So what I do is I try never to be in the same region back to back. So oh, gotcha. I'll have I got Lonnie on. He's in Mexico, but that's basically steelhead. Yeah. Um, then I'll I'll go out to uh, Wisconsin, or then you know what I mean. I try yeah. to bounce around a lot. I, I try not to do two regions back to back. Um, just just to keep it a little fresh. I think you know I, I don't want to be known as just still water podcast personally um i think for me that's a little limiting i just want mm-hmm. to talk fishing with with passionate people yep you know i did i did the same i started out with a steelhead focused you know the first 30 or so, or so episodes but then i came to that realization i was like well man i don't want to speed just steelhead i, I want to kind of talk about everything and i think it, that makes it more enjoyable right i think that's the way to do it so yeah, no, I agree, hundred percent. And then by that way, you never run out of content. You keep it fresh, and there's just so much to learn out there. Like, you could get a an entomologist talking dragonfly patterns. You know what I mean? It's yeah. There's just, just so many ways to come at it, and none of us know it all. Oh, I was just gonna say, do you have a uh, entomologist that uh, has been on talking about dragon, or have you had any entomologists on? I have uh, from Stroud. Um, Stroud Freshwater Research, I believe, is okay. in uh, in uh, Penn State. Um, who else have I had on? I've had some fisheries biologists on. I've had some um, people from the uh, fisheries, uh, basically Ministry of Environment, oh, uh, cool. the ones that run the the fishing, the fish stocking programs. And so we talked about strains, and we talked about actually that was interesting to me hearing the experts talk about the different strains because it's changing all the time and. It's not static in the technology. I mean, anytime these triploid fish that are all female fish that just don't stop growing and never go, never get, you know, egg bound because they don't spawn. Um, those are usually the pretty, yeah. pretty big fish in, in my neck. That's of the amazing. Woods. That's amazing. Yeah. That, I always love to hear the animal. I, we've got one, uh, Rick Hayfley, who I've had on. He's our big uh, entomologist kind of down here in it. I've struggled to find other one, other people, but yeah, it sounds like you've got a few. I'll have to dig into some of your back catalog. Um, yeah, look up Stroud. Stroud, they've got a, a team. They've got a team of uh, entomologists there, and just uh, some amazing people. And they're doing some great things in Penn State and all over, actually. That's right. Yeah, I think it's called Stroud Freshwater Research. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Cool. All right, Mark. Well, hey, I got a, a little rapid fire round here. If you wanted to take us out of here, are you ready to jump into this? Sure. Let's so, do it. So we've been talking, you know, a little bit about podcasting, a little bit about uh, fishing. Uh, I did want to dig in a little bit on the podcasting just to hear. I love to hear, you know, from a, another fellow podcaster, your um, how you set up your things. Could, can you talk just quickly about kind of your mic, what mic you use, and how you set it up really quickly, just for the the nerdy podcasting part? Well, I went out and got a uh, a Shure mic. So I, I basically bought the most expensive mic I could find, and I think only because for me that's that's the tool, right? So uh, without a good mic, you really don't have anything. So yeah, so you got the uh, you've got the Sure mic, and then you go into a, uh, a mixer, and then into your computer. Yeah, so I'm just I'm coming off a uh, MSI laptop. I've just got my iPhone. I, all I'm doing, I don't even have a mixer board right now. I, I do plan on getting a, a new board, but I'm going through a Scarlet. Okay. Uh, Focus, Focus Right is the name of it. Oh, that's right. So me, so right now we're ahead. talking. So I'm. We're talking through Skype, and then your your Skype is coming through your phone. Correct. Oh yeah, so it's coming through your phone, and then through my in, phone in, into the board. 
into the board and then the board has your mic plugged into it. Yeah. Which you're and recording. I, yeah. I found that works really well for me and I found that and I'm sure you're probably similar. Skype is the way to go as far as audio quality. I just find with this, the cell phone, sometimes it drops out depending on, especially yeah. when you're talking to guides in the middle of nowhere, if they have decent Wi-Fi, um, yeah. Skype is usually the way well, to go. You know, it's interesting for me. I, um, I've got, I've got a Rodecaster Pro sitting here on my desk and I don't even use it. You know, I mean, I do use it, but it's just, it's, um, I like the, uh, the zoom H six for it's really small and compact and easy to just record on, you know, on my end. But, um, I find sure. that the Rodecaster, I know there's a couple podcasts use it and that's the thing when they call on the cell phone, you know, you can hear the guests. It really sounds like it's a cell phone. You know what I mean? Or Skype, my Skype, when I record some of my guests on a phone, um, well, I try to get them on Skype like we're doing, but I, I just find the quality, like you said, the quality is better for with Skype and Skype's been around for like 20 years. So to be honest with you, sometimes I cannot tell the difference between an in-house interview with somebody you're looking in the eye yep. or Skype. It's really, the quality is amazing, That's cool. but I find I never use the video because then it does drop out once in a while. Yeah. But the audio, uh, it's killer. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Cool. Um, so, and on podcasting, we I, I think we've covered a lot of the stuff I wanted to dig into. Did you, you know, I guess thinking about the show, can you just talk about long-term plans? It sounds like you're going to be in this. Do you have a plan um, kind of, I, I mean, it sounds like you, you have some, uh, you're looking at sponsors and stuff like that. Well, what's your plan long-term with the podcast? My plan is just to keep doing creative content, capturing people's stories that are passionate in the industry. You know, I'm not trying to, make a million bucks doing this all i'm this is a for me it's a passion so we're yeah. sponsored by the fly crate which i'm really oh, yeah. grateful grateful that uh, nate and the guys uh step in and do that because um they've been big supporters and uh it, it, it i'm not going to stop doing it so yep. whether i'm getting paid or not i'm going to keep doing it um it started out just so you know uh, the reason it's called fly fishing 97 podcast is i'm on the middle of highway 97 which it's a big highway. It runs from Weed, California, goes all the way to Watson Lake, Yukon, and there are countless fishing opportunities on that highway. So uh, that's kind of where it started, but then we just tried to branch out a little bit, keep it fresh, and um, plan on doing this for a long time, Dave. That's awesome. Okay, that's good. So I always love hearing that because this, um, you know, likewise with me, I mean, these episodes are going to be out there uh, for a long time, so it'll be fun to check back with you down the line. Um so on some random, uh, I guess a little bit more random stuff. Um, what's on your uh, your bucket list? Any any places you want to hit up before you know before you head out of here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about um, Argentina? Yeah. You know, I would love to get down there and chase some of those. Uh, I know the 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 slang is what Jurassic Lake. Yeah. I can't remember the proper name. It's a Spanish. Uh, uh, shoot, it's not coming to me now. But I mean, those guys are chasing some giant giant fish it looks pretty exciting to me i'd love to get into some more sea run like i keep hearing about these sea run browns yep um love to try that have not tried that um and there's you know steelhead mm -hmm. I, I i'd love there's a few rivers up in in uh in british columbia that i definitely need to get to the babine is definitely on that list um the bulkley um yep. you know I know. Per permit bonefish. I, I have not done any warm weather. What about you? Where do you want to go? Yeah, that that's I'm we're setting up um one of our sponsors got fishing. Uh <clears throat> Brian's helping me set up a trip to the Yucatan, so that's going to be really my first big saltwater trip uh, early next year. <clears throat> so 
Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for a, a few more people to go on that, but uh, I think if that comes together, yeah, it's got the big four, you know, so we'll be covering it pretty good. And then, so what about gear? Just quickly on gear, do you have any sp- specific? Um, what do you use? What, like rod wise, you, do you have a, a rod uh, reel? Any companies you want to give a shout out to? Uh, I'm an Orvis guy, and yeah. I like I get I don't get anything for anything. So anything you hear on the podcast um, is basically just from trial and error and what what I like. But yep. for me, I like a ten foot rod for the type of fishing we're doing. Uh, five weight is perfect. Um, I just find you need a little more leverage, especially if you're casting, uh, some long leaders with indicators and whatnot, uh, tends to get a little top heavy. I've got a Helios three F that I, I love, Mm -hmm. but I've also got a Hardy that I love. Um, I've got an echo, um, you know, they, they all have their place and, and yeah, you you know, I'm talking Canadian dollars here. So 12, I'm 1200 bucks for, for a fly rod. uh, It's not cheap. No. So I mean, I love what some of these companies are doing in the three, four hundred, like Echo, Douglas. Yeah. There's a lot of great brands out there, yep. and I'm not going to go and spend twelve hundred dollars on a fly rod very often. But when I do, it's it's a beautiful rod. I like a fast action rod. That's that's. I'm not the greatest caster in the world. I get it out there. I know it's flawed, but I I'm old school. I learned a long time ago, and it's pretty hard to change my habits. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, it's uh, it's not perfect, but I could I could get it out there. Uh, cool, Mark. Well, I think we're about there. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're gonna kind of uh, hit up another show here uh, quickly, so we'll probably dig into some other stuff. But um, in the next six to twelve months, any, any, you want to give a shout out to anything you have coming with yourself for the podcast? Anything new? Well, just that we're just uh, we're just trying to get more more people that are passionate about fly fishing. I appreciate yeah. you doing this because for me, it's just that shared passion. I'm looking forward to having you on my show. That's going to be exciting. Yep. I got Lonnie Lonnie Waller, Steelhead That's Guru huge. coming up. That's huge. Yeah, and um, we're working on a few things, but I I try not. To, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I try not to get too far ahead because what I found if I have 15 shows in the bag, sometimes I lose that relevancy in the current stuff that's going on. Like when COVID hit. Oh yeah. I had all these shows, and these guys are saying, "Well, I'm going here. I'm flying to Belize." Well, guess what? You're not going anywhere. No. Nope. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I had to kind of backtrack and say, "Okay, so." Now guides are sitting at home. What's going on? How are you keeping busy? So we try to be current, but at the same time, not get too far ahead. I'm usually about two, three weeks um, out, and I try to just kind of yeah. keep the shows that way. There you go. So you schedule them. You try to get uh, – so right now, do you have a few episodes scheduled up and ready to go in the queue? I I only have two. Well, yep. I'm going to have three after this. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so and then that's kind of my comfort zone three shows in the bag and because then I can really focus in on, I like editing and Mm -hmm. not that I want it to be polished and perfect because I I definitely um, try to capture people's kind of personalities. So sometimes I find if I edit too much, it kind of, you got to be careful with that. Right. And the interview, you know what I'm learning is, is how to interview people because that is a skill and it takes time to develop that. For sure. Yeah. I, um, I'll give another shout out the, uh, the Outdoors Online Marketing Podcast. I had probably, I think, one of the biggest guests in um, in the podcast space, uh, Eric mm-hmm. Newsom. He's the guy that created the TED Hour podcast and all a lot of the NPR podcasts. He's wow. he goes way back and yep. and he wrote a book called Make Noise. And I, I always love to recommend that for anybody in podcasting because it's a huge book and it doesn't talk about the the kind of the how tos, but it's more of the the deeper stuff on podcasting and it was just a mm-hmm. great interview. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that one as well for anybody that wants to check that out. But, um, 
Yeah, Mark, this has been fun. I think we're gonna we're gonna keep going here in a little bit, but uh, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for coming on here as we wrap this up. I uh, like I said, I think I've had a few people definitely have reached out to me and said, you know, you gotta chat with Mark, and they love your show. So I, I love what you're doing over there, and uh, yeah, let's just keep in touch as we go and kind of keep moving forward. Well, hopefully you and I will be able to chase some fins. I, I'd really love it if you're up my neck of the woods. Give me a shout. I love what you're doing with the show, both of them. And uh, thanks for doing this, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 149. Have you asked a question for one of our guests yet? I'd love if you could head over to wetflyswing.com slash Facebook and, uh, and join the, uh, the group we have going. Just uh, click join and I'll, and I'll reply to you pretty quick. This is a great chance for you to get in on the action and actually get some of your, uh, your biggest questions answered. So would love to hear from you over there. And, uh, and thanks for listening. Uh, really appreciate the support. Every show is, uh, is huge for me, so I want to thank you for that. And uh, and want to thank you today for stopping by. I hope to uh, catch up with you soon. Maybe see you out there online or on that river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.